here in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We got the same thing we do in Pigeon Forge. Except Jen's got a big pond and we got a big hill. Amen. And we got upside down buildings and we got half of a Titanic and all that stuff. You know, King Kong climbing up the side of a building. Boy, ain't that beautiful. And they come up the mountain and see that. And the fellow, he visited one time in Branson, Missouri. He said, Preacher, if you ever get to look at the other end of that ship, it's in Branson. <laughs> I said, I don't want nothing to do with that ship. I read the story. What happened to that bad boy? Amen. But we're glad to be here. I'm a little bit nervous. What you're doing is important to you. It'll make you nervous. Amen. I'm as nervous as a televangelist at a tax audit. <laughs> and, uh, but, <laughs> but anybody ever heard of the Chattanooga uh, attraction called Rock City? See seven states from Rock City. Well, this is my Rock City sermon tonight. This year, this is the seventh state that I've preached in. And the seventh different state. I'm not talking about mental. I'm talking about geographically. Amen. And, but the... Uh, uh, so that uh, I've been uh, in, uh, of course, obviously Tennessee. They let me preach in the Smoky Hills and, and Virginia and Kentucky and North and South Carolina, Alabama, and Georgia. And I reckon you can sell them states from Rock City. I don't know. But uh, that's what the sign said on that on about 500 barns in East Tennessee anyway. But anyway, so this is the seventh state that I've... Uh, that God has allowed me to get to preach in this evening. And um, I want to say this. I, I was blessed of the Lord to get to be here and worship on Sunday. And uh, I've been in a lot of churches this year, camp meetings, things like that. Uh, it ain't that I'm hiding or ducking out. It's just I go to a lot of camp meetings and things and preach some revivals, homecomings. And uh, well, I like to be a missionary at homecoming because they've always got a meal. Amen. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, and uh, I'm going to tell you something. God's doing something here that a lot of pastors and a lot of churches, myself included, would like to see that going on in our work. God's doing something. God's doing something here. Humble yourself. Support the work. Stay faithful to God. Pray for your pastor. And I'm telling you, I've been traveling around a little bit and you're not seeing what's going on at Fellowship, uh, Friendship Baptist Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 6th Avenue South. That's the way I advertise it. When you get, if you pass Thorny Steakhouse, you went too far. <laughs> you got to turn around and come back. And, and uh, God's doing something. I've been blessed. And folks, is, I think he said seven wanting to do the CDL classes. A lot of churches can't even find anybody that even look at a bus, let alone drive one. We're living in an eight day and age where that we used to say when I was a young and good help's hard to find. We moved on to that. Help's hard to find. <laughs> Don't even have to be good. Help is just hard to come by. But uh, uh, I, I like to testify a minute. This church has a personal meaning to me. Thirty years ago, there have been thirty years ago from back in August. I was here in 1993. I uh, started attending this church when I'd come down here uh, for vacation. People said, "Where do people in the Smoky Mountains go on vacation?" Well, they go to Myrtle Beach. And I've been driving around Pigeon Forge a long time. I see a lot of South Carolina cars, so I know where you uh, beach folk go on vacation. <laughs> and so, uh, and I uh, come and we were on vacation that year, and God had started dealing with me. I've been saved about 10 years, got saved in 1984. 
and God had been dealing with me about preaching, and it was really bothering me, and uh, because I know I take preaching very serious. That's why I'm so nervous. If it wasn't important to you, you wouldn't be nervous. Because I realize as a preacher, what I say and do tonight, I'm going to answer to God for every word that comes out of my mouth. Amen. And I want him to say, well done. And I want people that hear the message to say, God spoke to me. Amen. I'm trying to stay on course here. I don't like to preach past 12, so I'm working hard not to do that. And uh, folks look down on you if you go past 12. <laughs> and, uh, but I come down here, my guard down. I've been wrestling with this thing. We come down here, and of course, uh, uh, I, have to, I have to think because I get my Georges crossed up sometimes. But uh, uh, George Ray was a pastor then. And then, of course, Will George was after him. And so uh, I came and uh, about the third, I, I can't remember if it's the third or fourth. I'll have to look because there may be a hole in it. <laughs> but I was praying and talking to God about it. And I told the Lord, preaching is too serious to put into the hands of a man like me. I take things, I, I try to take things lightheartedly. And uh, some people call me a cut up and things like that. But I'll just be honest with you, I told some fellows at a camp meeting last week, some people says, what's that nut doing now? And this is what I tell them, sometimes you stand in the rain so people can't see the tears. Amen? Sometimes you stand in the rain just to hide the pain. For every reason I have to laugh, I've got ten to weep. You do too. But you know something? I think about the Apostle Paul when he was before uh, Agrippa and he said, I think myself happy, O Agrippa. Amen. I'm trying to keep a positive mind on these things. But I told the Lord, I said, the preaching of the gospel is not, uh, ought not to be given to a fella that's as foolish and uh, I, that is uh, in the middle state that I am. And I told him, I'm just too foolish. I don't, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not the man for the job. And brother, I'm telling you, I got down and he went to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and he preached that morning, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God's chosen the weak things, the base things. Every argument I had, preacher stood in this pulpit and I believe it's just me and him in here and God nailed me right there. That's why I said I'll look and see where that hole is because he nailed me right there in that pew. And I've never forgot it. I tell people about it all the time. This is where it got settled, brother. This is where it got settled. It didn't get announced till December, <laughs> but it got settled right here. I had no more argument. When I went to tell God, I, it boiled down to this. God was calling me, and I was too scared to answer the phone. <laughs> Amen? You ain't going to call or ID God. You'll know when he's calling. But I'll tell you one thing, preaching, I, that was 30 years ago, this past October the 4th, be the 25th year I've been at Connor Heights Baptist Church. They're an action-packed pigeon forge. And uh, so God's been faithful to me. God's been faithful to me. And everything that, that Brother George preached in this pulpit and told me that morning was right. It's right. 
God said, I'll get the glory. You just need to be available. Amen? And so I want to make myself available to him. Preaching ain't what I do. Preaching is what I am. Amen? God didn't call me to an to a, uh, occupation. God called me to a dedication. Amen? And folks says, when are you going to retire? I said, man, I'm a Baptist preacher. We ain't retiring. I'll probably have to preach some more the day I die. I might eat, and one fellow said, you'll have to, we preach our own funeral. I said, I'll probably have to. And then when I got to thinking about going and home to heaven to rest, I got to reading the Bible and it said, and their works do follow them. I'll have to turn in some work when I get up there. <laughs> Amen. So I'm just going to keep on plowing for God. Amen. Just keep on plowing for God. But uh, I pray tonight God will use my voice, but I pray that it will be His words. I don't know about you. I like what Brother Matt said and he kind of got on my sermon. And so I know God's, of course I knew God was in this thing or I'd be sitting out there with him. <laughs> he needs to walk off his pain. I just need to run off my cowardness, I guess. But, uh, I, but, he said, but when he made this statement, draw nigh to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. A lot of folks said nigh is an archaic word. It's an old word meaning near. Mountain people still use it. They'd say, well, it's nigh on nine o'clock. And he's still preaching. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> but it's, it means draw near to God. And I've read this in the Psalms and I pray this prayer. Be not silent unto me, O Lord. When thou art silent unto me, I'm like them that go into the pit. I want to hear from him every day. I need him. I need him. He is my bread. He is my water. He is my light. He is my life. And I just pray that God would use me tonight to bring some encouragement to the people of God. Encourage you. But I'm telling you, I've seen it firsthand. I've been, uh, of course, how long Brother Matt been here? Three years? Four years? And uh, I, I've seen it go from the new pastor phase. You don't have to have me to explain what that what that's like. Amen. When they voted on me at Connor Heights, I got a hundred percent of the votes. That's seventeen votes, but hey, it's a hundred percent. Who wants to split hers? I don't. I don't have enough to split. <laughs> Maybe I'd look like I'd be more fuzzy if I did, but anyway. And I, I want to, And when when I surrendered to preach, I told God I wanted to do His work and I wanted to do it right and I wanted to be real. And I didn't know how to ask it, you know, in prayer. And I said, Lord, if you want me to preach, make me one of them big preachers. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I'm going to revisit how I asked him that. Maybe I should have reworded that. But anyway, you're looking in the Word of God tonight. 2 Chronicles chapter number 36. 2 Chronicles chapter number 36. Get these nervous jitters out. Get myself introduced. Some of you. Uh, and uh, just, I just want you to know this, this church is a special place for me. I always enjoy being here. Of course, I'm always on vacation when I'm here. And unless you're a pastor, you don't know what this means. But you take a Sunday every once in a while and you sit down. And you don't have to worry about everything from unlocking the door that morning. 
God and lock her up that night and you can just sit down and worship and listen and just worship with folks and praise God and don't sit around. I didn't sit around and look around this morning wondering or Sunday morning while I was visiting with you. I wasn't worried about who's here and who wasn't here. I don't know who was here. I don't know if they're supposed to be here or not. I wasn't worried about all that stuff. I wasn't wondering about the, who's, who's going to be doing what and all this kind of stuff. Man, just sat down a few minutes and brother God speaks to me and I learned from some things and and uh, I got inspired uh, by brother Matt Mellers and I went back to Pinyard Forge and we got together and put us some together and mailed them out. Amen. Uh, during that COVID time, we was looking for anything uh, to try to keep the gospel going and keep the church doors open. Amen. Uh, but anyway, I want to look tonight, try to be you to God, be a blessing, be a help to you. Second uh, Chronicles chapter number 36, very sad verses uh, that I want to share with you tonight, especially in light to the things that's going on in Israel today. But he said in verse 15, and the Lord God of their father sent to them by his messenger, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon the young men or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hands. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king, and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. Father, bless now the reading of the infallible and the inspired word of God. God, we look to you tonight. We just want to be used to have you, Father, be a blessing, be a help, be an encouragement, Lord, and we're thankful that you allowed us tonight to be a part of what you're doing uh, here at, uh, at Fellowship uh, Bab uh, Friendship Baptist Church uh, here in Myrtle Beach, and I thank you for Brother Matt, Sister Michelle, God watch over him, God keep him in your grace, and Lord God help him as he, as he pastors and allows you uh, to do the great and mighty things, and we ask God your blessing upon the service of his one here at Sunset. Oh, let the Spirit of God be neither quenched nor grieved, but God draw that sinner into salvation and the saints of God. Oh, Father, encourage your people in the things of God, in thanksgiving. We ask you tonight in Jesus' name. I'm looking at this thought for just a few minutes tonight until there was no remedy. And of course, you know, God, uh, the nation of Israel, that's God's chosen people. And he chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the, the patriarchs of Jacob. They went down into Egypt as a family and they came back out as a nation. And when the Lord established them, uh, there's a lot of similarities. Now let me say this. Uh, the church is not spiritual Israel. I do not believe in replacement theology. It's a heresy. Amen. Israel still is one church is still uh, the Gentile bride of Christ made up of Jews and Gentiles. And brother, I'm telling you, people talk about my church, my church. I love my church, my church. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, uh, it ain't my church. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm my beloved and he's mine. And his banner over me is love. Amen. The reason why a lot of them love their church because they got in there and tweaked 
it and they got what they want to go on, what kind of music they want to listen to, what kind of preaching they want to hear. Amen. But anyway, so you see that the church is not the replacement of the nation of Israel. Brother, we're God's hand that just keeps on moving. I'm preaching a few months back out of Romans chapter number 9, 10, and 11 where the Apostle Paul tell, explains to the church the relationship between the nation of Israel and the church and God chose us because of their unbelief that we might bridge a gap we might bridge a gap between God's dispersing them and God's regathering them. Now let me say this I'm premillennial to the teeth. Why are you premillennial for it? Because I'm a Bible believer. Amen. Amen. Yea let God be true and every man be a liar. And so I believe that from the Pentecost, day of Pentecost until the day of the rapture Israel is going under some spiritual blindness. Going under some spiritual blindness. Romans chapter number 11 said blindness is in part has happened to the fullest all the Gentiles become in. And so because of their unbelief God turned and Jesus told it there in the parable where God turned to the Gentiles to call him out of people. And so I see then that there's a lot of similarities. Amen. And of course my church tonight is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just made up of one country, one color, one continent, one culture. It's made up of people from all over the world. Uh, amen, Brother P.D. Cherry. And, uh, he's my brother in Christ. Uh, he's my brother down in India. Brother Timothy Ojo's my brother uh, there, in Ethi- there in Africa. Amen, Brother Marcel Pavillon. is my brother down there in the Honduras. These men are my brothers from all over the all over the globe. We're in the same church. Amen. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I see a lot of similarities. Now God told the nation of Israel when he gave them the land of Canaan. He said the seven. Now I'm going to preach a lot. I'm going to preach fast. But I'll promise you I'm not going to tell you nothing that ain't in the King James Bible. And if you have any questions about anything I said, I'll, you can hold, I'll, I'll hold you up in the parking lot instead of everybody else in the pew. Amen. And I'll, I'll show you what I, I'll show you the Bible. I don't preach nothing but Bible. Amen. Uh, I throw a little something in there to help you every once in a while. Uh, uh, just to kind of put, uh, I'm not going to tell you nothing no different Brother Matt preaches uh, to you. Uh, but I tell our congregation, when you have another preacher coming in and preaching, he's going to preach the same book. He's going to preach the same doctrine. The only thing different is a perspective uh, and a personality. Other than that, it's the same stuff. Amen. Uh, but anyway, then I see here uh, uh, that uh, that the church uh, is God's people and there's a lot of similarity. Now the nation of Israel was coming into the land of Canaan and God told Abraham 400 years uh, before that time uh, he said the Canaanite people uh, they're going to start doing things in the land. They're going to commit abominations. They're going to commit sin. That's so filthy and they're going to soak the land with blood and God said I'm going to drive them out of that land and I'm going to give you that land. But God said that to Moses now he said now when you go in and occupy that land if you take up idols and you worship Molech and you worship these Baal and these other gods as these other people did as the Ammonites the Canaanites the Hittites the and all them amen uh, the termites and the rest of that crowd he said I'll do to you the same thing that I've done to them I'll drive you off the land and I'll let it lay desolate and brother God keeps his word you can mark her down God keeps his word and so as we get to 2 Chronicles chapter 
chapter number 34, you're getting to the end of the kingdom of Israel as a nation, as a worldwide kingdom. Ever since Second Chronicles chapter 36, the nation of Israel has been under Gentile control. Daniel called it the time of the Gentile, having showed four, four Gentile beasts that would rule over Israel. And of course, that was the Babylonians and then the medial Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. And by the way, the Romans is going to have a revival and the old world empire is going to raise up. I ain't got time to preach all that tonight. But brother, I want to just lay the groundwork and tell you there's some similarities in the scriptures that I read to you tonight between the nation of Israel and the church. If you will, this was the last days of Israel before they were taken off into captivity. They were days of apostasy. He said there to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter number 4, if you go into the land and you worship those gods and you commit those abominations and you cause the land to sin, I'll drive you out of that land but when thou art in the tribulation in the latter days. Uh, Brother Matt mentioned that tribulation period. Uh, folks, that thing's coming. Uh, that thing's coming. It's going to work just like the plagues did in Egypt. It's going to take the nation of Israel and going to lift the blindness off their eyes uh, and turn their hearts back to God. Uh, the church could be called out tonight. You may not ever make it out of this building to your children, your uh, car and if you do uh, and ain't nothing laying around here but a bunch of clothes uh, and a few uh, knees and teeth and glasses uh, and hearing aids and pacemakers uh, amen you but you but you're in trouble because that'll be the first time in human history that everybody on the earth is going to be lost all the saved are leaving in the rapture it's not it's not a partial rapture that'd be a rupture God's taking the whole thing out but he's going to lift the eyes off of the nation of Israel and brother, it ain't going to be long he's going to have him some Jewish preachers uh, preaching the kingdom gospel you say, I ain't never heard of nothing like that in my life have you not read Acts chapter number 2 uh, when 120 people got filled with the Holy Ghost of God and it wasn't long till 5,000 got saved it wasn't long till 3,000 more got saved and can I tell you too thousand years later they're still getting saved amen God don't amen so God done this stuff before but I see that in those days before Israel went into captivity or in those days the last days of the church let me tell you something the Bible prophesies that the church would end in apostasy the church of the Laodicean them seven churches there in the book of the Revelation they have a fourfold meaning they're literal letters to those churches. Uh, they are also uh, uh, letters that would apply to the individual. Uh, they would apply to the local congregation. But they're prophetical churches. The church at Ephesus is the uh, apostolic church. Uh, there before the apostles died out. And the establishment of the church and the church of the Laodiceans uh, is where we're living today. It's where we're living today. I'm telling you right now, you don't find many uh, works like what God's doing here. Uh, they're still around. And brother, we're going to be around till the rapture. Amen. What if they haul us all off and put us in jail? And it could happen. I mean, America's getting hostile uh, toward Christianity. Amen. I told them if they'll put us all in the same jail, we'll just have camp meeting and don't have to worry about food and lodging. Amen. Uh, we'll just have camp meeting and preach and shout 
and praise God. You say, where'd you get a crazy idea like that? I was reading about when they put Paul and Silas in jail up there in Philippi. They wasn't sitting around and wondering what happened and then wondering this, wondering that. They wasn't psychoanalyzing everything, but they just kept trusting God and just started singing praise to God and bless God, amen, before the morning sun rose up. They had folks that went them to the Lord and had a baptizing. Amen. How'd you like that? Go to solitary confinement that night and wake up to have to have a baptism that morning. Well, we serve a mighty God. Amen. Uh, but he said this, no, in the last days, peerless times shall come. He said in the last days, uh, men would depart from the faith, uh, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh, I'm telling you, the devils has took over a lot of congregations, uh, a lot of denominations in churches. Uh, amen. Uh, I'm driving in your city and I read this uh, back a few, uh, I don't remember how long ago it's been. I think it was last spring uh, here in Myrtle Beach where the first Presbyterian church uh, was being turned into some kind of nightclub. Amen. Uh, well, I wouldn't want to run that nightclub. Amen. Uh, no, sir. Not something that's been dedicated to God. But they can do, amen, you can do whatever you think you need to. Uh, I need the Lord, don't you? Uh, uh, but anyway, so then I see a lot of similarities. Uh, uh, now, Jeremiah's a good example. Old Jeremiah's called the weeping prophet. He didn't go, uh, they did camp meeting, wasn't overflowing. They wasn't folks in Jeremiah's day wanting to run bus ministry. Uh, brother, they was folks in Jeremiah's day, uh, they was wanting worship leaders. Uh, and there's wanting lights and smoke and mirrors uh, in the church house. Amen. Now, we got lights in the church house, uh, and we got mirrors in the bathroom, and we got smoke between Sunday school and preaching uh, when the deacons go out in the alley. Amen. But, yeah, uh, but I'm talking about turning the, show, turning the church house into some kind of sideshow. Amen. Uh, uh, but, brother, all that stuff's going on today. I've read some of these stats, uh, and they say less than 50% of the people in America that say they're Christians do not believe that Jesus was virgin born. They do not believe in hell. Uh, but I'm telling you, they're only Christian by title. Well, listen, I found out uh, the only way I could be saved. Uh, I was put my faith in a, in a virgin born, uh, sinless life, uh, risen again, Savior, amen, that loved me and died for me. Uh, if, it, if it's anything less than that, you're worshiping in the spirit of the Antichrist. John said, uh, uh, if, any, if any man uh, say not that Jesus is the Christ, he's the spirit of the Antichrist. What do you mean the Christ? That word Christ means uh, uh, the anointed. Christ is not his name, it's his title. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, means the anointed Savior. Amen. He's the one, he's the Lamb of God that uh, God chose uh, to bring salvation to the world. Uh, but I see a lot of similarities here. And of course, Jeremiah's known as the weeping prophet. He didn't have days like they did uh, during the Great Awakening uh, and the Sandy Creek revivals uh, and the old sawdust trails that uh, come out of the, mountain, the mountains of North Carolina and come over into East Tennessee while the Baptist churches and the Baptist movement uh, come into my area where I lived uh, uh, through that revival. There was some Methodists in the area at that time, but in the late 17, early 1800, uh, Brother Baptist moved in, amen. Uh, well, anyway, so then I see uh, uh, that uh, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. I find that he was only one. He did not compromise, amen. 
if he'd have been around today, uh, if he'd have been around today, he wouldn't have compromised to the liquor crowd. He wouldn't compromise to the sodomites. Uh, he'd still been carrying a King James Bible. He'd have been singing hot his hymns uh, instead of thump, uh, feet feet thumping songs. And the old mountain preacher used to say, uh, "If the music moves your legs uh, before it does your heart, it ain't a god." Amen. He said, "You can't have a dancing foot and a praying knee on the same leg." Uh, but anyway, uh, so anyhow, I see then uh, that if he'd been around those days, uh, but he stayed faithful to God. And I'm going to tell you something. You and I want to encourage you tonight. I uh, stay faithful to God. How come? Uh, because we're like them, uh, and we see there in the verse, uh, and God, uh, uh, their father sent messengers rising up the time sin because he had compassion. I'm going to tell you tonight, you saved. Uh, uh, you are a testimony of the compassion of God. Uh, uh, God saved me. I was an old sinner, lost on my way to hell, and God saved me. Uh, and God knew that when he saved me, uh, uh, brother, that uh, when he saved me, uh, he's going to make a different creature out of me. If any man be in Christ, these old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And I see then in Jude 22, and if some having compassion, making a difference, God said, I'm going to have compassion on them, and those that believe me will be the ones that will make a difference. Woo, Jeremiah made a difference. They liked his preaching so well, they thought him in prison. They thought him in a dungeon aiming to kill him. Nebed Melech was that boy's name. He had got saved. He was from Ethiopia. He wasn't even from the country of Israel. He was from Ethiopia. And brother, he about the best friend Jeremiah got. And he took some old rags and made a rope and pulled him up out of there. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah wasn't seeing him saved by the hundreds. He wasn't even seeing him saved by the tens. He wasn't seeing him saved. And finally, he is a preaching that the Babylonians is coming and they're going to take you captive. And he said, of course, the false prophet said, they'll never, they'll never, God will never let this temple be destroyed. God will never let the Babylonians come into Jerusalem. And he was looking pretty bad and Zedekiah called him in and he said, I want you to tell me secretly. Now if you tell anybody you told me, I'm going to kill you. But what's going to happen to us? And Jeremiah said, the message ain't changed. Amen. Don't matter if you're telling a pauper on the street or a prince in the palace. Message don't change. Amen. How come? He said with compassion. He said, if you'll turn, get your heart right with God. God will intervene and God will save you and God will help you. But they didn't listen to him. He wrote him, he wrote him the scriptures and the prophecy. And he took a pen knife and cut it up. Amen. Like the modern scholars do. You say, now preacher, I prefer the such and such version. And I like it and it helps me and I can read it and understand it and you offending me. I'm going to tell you, if you speak English, you don't have a King James Bible, you're a compromiser and you do not get the full effect of God's Word. Now if that made you mad, here's an altar. Come tell God what I said. I, plead, I beg you, I welcome it. Come tell God what I said. Amen? But he took it and cut it up with a pen knife and he throwed it in the fire. Oh no. Brother Leon, we lost the originals. What are we going to do? He burned them up. 
I ain't never worried about that argument. I, know, I tell that bunch, I know where the originals are. Where are they? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The original said the right hand of the Father. The original said heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. The Apostle Paul, he was, he was old Saul of Tarsus, and brother, he had a pocket full of warrants. He's heading up there to Damascus. He's going to persecute the church, but brother, there's a light shone round about him up there somewhere between Jerusalem and Damascus, and God smote him there to the ground and blinded him. Said Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Dost thou not know it's hard for thee I to kick against the pricks and he said who art thou Lord he said I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest he said what would you have me to do now let me make a little theological uh, uh, insertion here I've been saved for 39 years I've heard folks say Paul say on the Damascus road no he wasn't he went up to Damascus and an ice come down there on straight street and he come in there and he said brother Saul why tarest thou uh, arise be baptized calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. Now don't you go church of Christ on me and start preaching water baptism. He told him, uh, to, God doesn't told him what's going to happen. You know, he is, an old, he is a saint of God. He loved God and he was having his prayers one day and he said, thank the Lord for another good day. What do you want me to do, God? I just want to serve you and live for you. God, you saved my soul from hell. Maybe today you'll help me save another old sinner because God, you've had compassion on me. I'm your trophy of grace. God said, glad you asked him. I got a fella coming up here. I blinded him on the road coming up here. I bright lied him. Amen. I blinded him. I want you to go pray with him. And he said, pray God. Who is it, Lord? Saul of Tarsus. Excuse What did you say? Saul of Tarsus. Lord, do you know who he is? Lord said, yeah, I know who he is. And he said, I know what he's doing. He said, but let me tell you something. I know, I'm paraphrasing now. <laughs> he said, but I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to preach the gospel before kings and magistrates. And he's going to suffer many things for my name's sake. Don't you worry about how much he made you suffer. He's going to pay fourfold. Oh, and I said, I didn't talk to God. And he went in everybody else scared to death, Saul of Tarsus. He said, Brother Saul, why tell yourself? What are you waiting on? That's what that means. Amen. That's, that's Wires Valley, Smoky Mountain Greek. <laughs> I didn't learn no Greek. I understand that in Greece speaks Greek. I don't see no big revival busting out over there, do you? <laughs> Amen. That's just somebody make you think they know something more than they do. But anyhow. Uh, <laughs> so he said, Brother Saul, why tell you? What are you waiting on? Arise, being baptized. Arise, you need to be baptized. He wasn't talking about water baptism. He was talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How did I do that? Calling on the name of the Lord. When I was under conviction, lost as a mule in the Kentucky Derby, man of God took me to Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 where it said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God used the Apostle Paul to write that verse. How did Paul know if you called on the Lord, you'd be saved? And then I told him, call on the Lord. <laughs> 
Guess what? Saul of Tarsus got saved the same way Jonathan Hatcher did. And if you're saved tonight, you didn't get saved no different than me. You've got a different time, a different place, a different circumstance. But I promise you, the Holy Ghost of God was involved. The Word of God was involved. And there was a man of God somewhere involved. And there are probably a lot of people praying for you. I tell folks, pray for sinners. Do you know this? And I'm not a Calvinist. But I believe God wants to save everybody. He said, whosoever will. Now he said there in first, first Timothy chapter number 2, where he said, who will. That word will carries a meaning, it's God's will. Who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. And the Apostle Paul told that young preacher Timothy, he told the whole church, he was writing to Timothy, but God said that ain't limited, that's to the whole church. You say, hey, no, God said that. I got it in my Bible. <laughs> Amen. Because God was telling me that too. He said, uh, he said uh, there in First Timothy chapter number one, this is a true saying, worthy of all acceptation, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am true. Hey, the apostle Peter said, not in Second Peter chapter three, verse 18, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's, you pray for a sinner, you're praying in the will of God. First John says, you ask anything in my name and according to my will, I'll do it. You can pray for them. They may not get saved, but to the judgment seat of Christ, you'll find out God was faithful. See, God ain't going to make you get saved. He gave you an I will. We exercise a will. I thought you wasn't a Calvinist. I ain't. But you cannot have real love without a will. You can't make somebody love you and the love be real. You understand that? And I fell in love with my wife. I'm, 19, I'm about 19, 20 year old. Her family runs a little country store up there in Wires Valley. And I'm telling you, that's the prettiest woman I ever seen. And plus, she was running the hamburger grill. When you're 19 year old, just for the sake of preacher alliteration, you ain't got but two things on your mind. Uh, that's food and females. Uh, right there it was, man, the complete package. <laughs> hey, man, uh, yes, sir, it got the complete package. <laughs> But you pray for somebody's lot say and so I asked her to go out with me. Can you, I know I know you better be sitting down, but did you know at first she didn't like me? <laughs> Are you serious? Lord, open that woman's eyes. <laughs> we married now, been married thirty nine years. He opened her eyes. Her daddy run that store. Of course, that one of them country stores, you know, had a cigarette rack. And I'm just tell you something, go to a country store and want to get crazy. They've all got pistols in them cigarette racks. <laughs> and uh, I'd, I'd go up there and pick her up on a date and I'd see him take that pistol and shoot bats out of the sky. We got engaged and I walked in that store he laid that pistol on that counter. He said, I understand you want to marry, you and Teresa wants to get married. He said, you be good to her. Okay. Then he looked at her and said, you be good to him too. 
It's been a couple of times I thought I was going to have to take her back down and have him to shoot her, but he's been working out okay. <laughs> but you see, I didn't make her love me. She done it willfully. She done it willfully. By the way, God didn't make me get saved. 39 years ago when I hit my knees, I found out that He loved me. And He said, I died for you and I love you. And But I fell in love with Him. He was mourning about not going to hell. He was mourning about not missing the rapture. He was mourning about getting rid of sin and conviction. Brother, He was about falling in love with God. And God said, I love you and I want to save you. So see, I'm sent with compassion because God's given you a will. And He wants me to manifest the love and compassion that He gives to me. He wants me to give it to you. Ephesians 4.30 My kids are young, they'd get in a fight, I'd quote this to them. Be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Sent with compassion. He told the nation, here's a, and again, running a parallel, he told the nation of Israel, I didn't choose you because you're the greatest nation. Matter of fact, you're the least. He said, I chose you because I love you. Can I tell you tonight, he, cho- he, he, he chose me because he loved me. You ever read that over at the Song of Solomon? I, he sat at his banqueting table, had his banner over me as love. Woo! You know what a banner is, don't you? That's a flag that puts you in a specific group or organization. Amen. And I get to heaven, I'm going to be sitting up there. There's going to be some holy creation. Woo! Holy creation up there. Holy creation. They just stand around and look at God and go, holy, holy, holy. When I look at Him, I'm going to go, whoo, holy, holy, holy. And they're going to look over at Jonathan sitting over there and uh, I don't know what they're going to serve in heaven. Don't care. I just want to be there. I happen to believe it's going to be Krispy Kreme Donuts and Dr. Pepper. You can believe whatever you want to. Amen. <laughs> And they're going to look, there's that old sinner. How come he gets to, what did he do to deserve to get to sit up here in this holy place? I'm going to turn around my chair and point at that flag. His banner over me is love. I'm here because he loved. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! I'm here because he loved me. He loved me. And he has had compassion on me. Then I've seen where he said uh, up there that uh, uh, they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and misused his prophets until the wrath of God arose against his people. And he said, he sent them with compassion. But can I tell you tonight, we're going to serve with conflict. I, I thought, Lord, as soon as I get started preaching, uh, folks is going to like me. No, I knew better than that. I, that's one reason why that thing in reverse and I couldn't get out of there. God, amen. God put some holy oil on them tars and they wouldn't go in reverse. 
but we're served with conflict. First Corinthians one eighteen. For the preaching of the cross is them that perish foolishness. But to we which are saved, it's the power of God. First Timothy six twelve, fight the good fight of faith. Second Timothy two three, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then of course I'll give you this. Uh, there's some other, but I'm gonna give you this. Amen. Uh, uh, but I'm on vacation. Then we'll go sit and lay around and eat donuts and drink Dr. Peppers. No, I, 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 I want to finish the message to help you. I'm just teasing about them. But listen. Yea, they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Now again, you're going to be surprised. There's people that literally hate me. Let me tell you why. I believe salvation is by grace through faith minus works 100% by the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be an enemy of the world? You preach that. You believe that. And you teach that. But friend, it's the truth. It's the truth. Now I don't know a lot about Scientology. I know a lot of them Hollywood people out there, they join up. And I found out I can never be one of them Scientologists because it takes a quarter of a million dollars to join their church. Amen. I ain't going to go. I ain't going to join up. Might go out there and see if I can take up an offering one day. <laughs> but let me tell you something. The, and, and, and I'm not going to get back in the days of Noah and Lot. I'll get hung up here and we'll be put. Amen. And I'll be going over my 45 minutes. <laughs> but anyway, they. Uh, they say these uh, uh, in the days of uh, 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 before the flood. There, uh, they were men of renown. There's people today that are so popular. I mean, they go out in the street. Everybody wants their autograph, and they want take selfies with them and their pictures. And and uh, they used to rip Elvis's clothes off of him. Amen. Yeah, I get to preach, and it makes the babies scream. I tell mothers, they don't bother me. If Elvis can sing while the women scream, I can preach while they scream. <laughs> Leave the suit alone. But these people actually think they're some kind of God. And when you pay that quarter of a million dollars, that's what Scientology teaches them, that they're gods. And they believe it. Ophir Winfrey and LeBron James really think we care about what they think about morals. Amen. Oh, Reggie, well, I don't know if you know him or not. Uh, if you, if you what, keep up with football, even Chattanooga, Tennessee played in Knoxville uh, for the Volunteers and went on to play for the Eagles and the Packers. God saved that man. He is a preacher. And he was, when he was playing for the Packers, he made a stand against homosexuality. And son, they blackballed him. They didn't make a God out of him. They blackballed him. He was preaching First Baptist Church in Sevierville one time. I said, I'm gonna go to, I'd like to go hear him preach. And I go to church, I'm going to church. I'm not going to see a football player or an entertainer. Honey, I'm going to hear, and brother, I'm telling you, he preached a good message. And them folks was there and had all this stuff. They wanted him to sign it and all that stuff. And he got in, his, in the pulpit and he said, uh, I know you bought stuff. And he said, uh, there's a time and place for that. But he said, this is a house of worship. I'm not signing nothing. I'm not taking pictures. God called me to preach and I'm going to preach the gospel. And I said, all right. Amen. Didn't hear much about that though. <laughs> Amen. I don't, I don't need, I don't need uh, uh, Tom Cruise to tell me whether abortion's right or wrong. I got the Word of God. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
But you see, we, we're sent with compassion. We're going to serve with conflict. Woo! You're, amen. On, on Noah preached 120 years. No converts. But I'm telling you, they let him, probably let him have it every day. And there was Lot and his family. Lot backslid on God, moved down there to Sodom. And of course, the angel of God had to grab him by the hand and drag him out of Sodom. Had to drag him out of Sodom. And the apostle Peter said that he vexed his righteous soul. What are you saying, preacher? If you're saved tonight, if you live for God, there'll be conflict. And if you don't live for God, there'll be conflict. Peter said it's better to suffer for righteousness' sake than unrighteousness. I'd rather be in jail for preaching as for stealing, wouldn't you? <laughs> Little old boy heard the story about Lot's wife. She looked back and said, Take it out of Sodom. Looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Little old boy said, Same thing happened to my mama. So the school teacher said, What? Same thing happened to my mama. She was taking us to school. We was fighting in the back seat. And she looked back and turned into a light pole. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to tell you something. You live for God, you're going to be in conflict. You're going to be blackballed. Amen. Amen. I worked with some people. I had, to, I had the blessing of God to sit in the parking lot of our place that I worked and take the Word of God and show some of them how to be saved. But then I had them come up to me and say, I like working with you and I consider you a friend, but don't you preach to me no more. Amen. I go down, of course, Peter Forrest. We have car shows there in the fall, the old hot rod cars. And sometimes I'll go down there on the parkway and take tracks and I'll pass them out and give out tracks. And I'm down there on the street passing out tracks, don't have time to talk much or say much. But there's two women, and, and, and I know the one, she had a butch haircut and she had on cargo britches and combat boots, you know, something that every mom and dad dreams that their daughter turns up to be. But she's walking down the street and they're holding hands. Now, I just handed out a tract and uh, the she-male or whatever it is you call, you say, you better be careful, you'll offend them. Oh, get over it. <laughs> I'm offended at that. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, but she grabbed that girl. She said, I don't want that. And she kept going, but the other girl's holding her hand. She didn't turn loose of her hand, but she turned around like that and got the tract. Made my day. Only eternity is going to reveal what happened that day. But brother, I'm going to tell you something. I tell people now, I'm the preacher when I come to folks' house. I'm used to them having to leave. So I try not to block nobody in. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. It ain't me. When I got saved, and I willfully got saved by a Savior who willfully died for me. Amen. And I willfully got saved. And I love Him. Amen. Now He's left me here. And I'm part of His bride. I'm part of His body. Amen. I'm a believer. I'm a born again, blood-bought, fireproof believer. Amen. Can't change it if I wanted to. And I don't want to. Saved to the uttermost. Can't lose it. So I want to just do my best to live for him. But I'm going to tell you something. I go through a lot of things that are hard on me. 
I've had the old devil come up and tell me, if you'd quit preaching, you wouldn't have to go through this. I got you, pastor. Church, it's kind of like I know why we got, we got and our, our our doors do like that. I know why now. I got two are coming, two are going, two are griping, two are growing. <laughs> Preacher, everyone to start a collection. You ought to start a knife collection because you get plenty in the back every year. <laughs> but that stuff hurts. I told the church, you're not, a pre- you're not a preacher. You don't know how it feels. But until I was about 13 years old, I really didn't have much use for girls except for my mama. And I liked her sisters. I had one eight. And all of them liked to kiss on me. I mean, do you blame them? Little old cute fella like me. And one of them, she'd want to kiss on me. She had a mouth full of backer and snuff. Nothing, she'd put on lipstick. I tried to make up my mind if I want to snuff on me or backer. Or backer and lipstick. I think my brother makes fun of me with lipstick, so I'd prefer to chewing backer. Look more manly, amen. <laughs> She's a level headed woman. It run out both sides. <laughs> But I, uh, I knew then that they loved me. And I'm telling you, there's a little old girl at school, I don't know. I'm about 12, 13 year old. She just started making me feel funny. <laughs> but friend, I never felt nothing like that before in my life. So I wrote a little note and I told her I was wanting to be, uh, I was wanting her to be my girlfriend. I give her a box to check, you know, kind of like the postal service does. <laughs> And she said she'd be my girlfriend. She showed up one day and wrote me a note back and said she didn't want to be my girlfriend anymore. She wanted to be my friend. I said, well, I've got plenty of friends. I said, my girlfriend. Somebody make me feel all funny inside like that. Now, I'm telling you, that little girl broke up with me. Bet she's regretting that now, don't you? <laughs> she's regretting that. She broke up with me and it like to destroyed me. I'm 13 year old. I thought I'm on now. Well, that's why I feel every time somebody leaves the church and walks away from God. Amen. It bothers me. It bothers me. I seen a man walk away from God. Walk away serving God, living for God. It wasn't very long after that. I attended the funeral of his son. Broke my heart. That, that funeral was caused by a suicide. Heartbreaking, heart wrenching, and I still wonder this day if it stayed right with God. That's none of my business, but it hurts. And God knew when He saved us, we would go through this heartache. But let me tell you why: we're sent, we're sent with compassion, but we serve with conflict. Because I'm talking to my, I, I'm talking to people that's experience drugs and alcohol and and, uh, and illicit uh, physical behaviors and gambling. You may tell you what they're doing. They're trying to find some happiness and some peace for their soul. You'll know why in a drug or a whoremonger or a gambler because I found a place where I can go and find peace. It ain't in a bottle. It ain't in a pill. It ain't in a person. It's in the Lord. My faith sustains me through heartaches and trials and tribulations. And the many times, the many times I want to falter up and quit. God said, people's watching you. If you go down, you'll not go alone. Why? We're served with conflict because everybody in the world is suffering. 
But when they see thine in your faith, James said, show me thy faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. When they see me hurting, me at the funeral home, me at the hospital, me out on uh, having problems and heartache, and they see me trusting in God, they'll say, there's something real in that man's life. They'll say, that's real in your life. The Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't like me. He don't like you suffering no more than anybody else. But He wants you and I to suffer so He can manifest His presence in our life. Oh, I want them to see Him. Don't you? I want them to see Him. So they serve with conflict. But let me tell you something else. Old Jeremiah done. Let me tell you something else they done. They stayed until it was complete. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Moreover, it's required in a steward that a man be found faithful. Now, I first got saved. I was reading all these all these magazine books, you know, and newspapers. Every fundamental article I could find. I was looking for notes and outlines. I was trying to learn stuff. I was trying to figure stuff out. And brother, I'd read this. Here's old brother so and so. He's come to town. He's gonna preach a revival. He preached in 13 countries, 472 uh, different churches, 532 services. He's had 478 professions of faith. He baptized 365 people. Whoa! Lord God, that's fundamental preaching. We need to make us up some baseball cards. Put our stats on the back of it. That stuff bothered me. Second year, I was at Connor Heights. We had seven people saved. Brent eyes are going around. Seven people saved this year. Within the next year, you couldn't find them with a warrant. So I got to thinking, I don't know whether they got in or not. Because if you got what I got, when it comes to church time, you don't have to wonder where I'm going to be. Amen. So I got to reading over there in Corinthians and Paul said, I baptized Gaius in Christmas whether I baptized any other. I know not. Made me feel a little better. Paul said, I don't remember how many of you not heads I baptized. He said, God didn't send me to baptize anyway. He sent me to preach the gospel. Sow the seed. Let God do the reaping. God said it ain't about numbers and figures. And uh, he said it's about faithfulness. And he said it's required in a steward that a man be found faithful. That means the day of the judgment seat of Christ. My account to him is that I stay faithful. Woo! We're getting close to the Lord coming. I don't want to quit right at the finish line to you. I want to be faithful to Him. I want to be faithful to Him. Old Jeremiah, old Jeremiah was faithful. He was faithful. Amen. And he received a great reward. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, 12, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who hath enabled me for He counted me faithful putting me in the ministry. 2 Timothy 2, 2 And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I've over the years I've had missionaries to come in and preachers to come in. You pay attention to missionary. Man, the testimonies like this. There'll be a testimony of salvation. There'll be a testimony of service somewhere. They might be a bus captain. They might be a youth pastor. They might be an associate pastor. I was living for God and I was serving God and God started dealing my heart about the people in South America or the people over there. And, and But I'm telling you, God calls... Faithful people. 
When I look around and the same crowd ain't there on Sunday night and Wednesday night's on Sunday morning, I say, God ain't going to call a lot of laborers from this bunch. You've got to be faithful. Amen. You can preach on faithfulness. He'll shout the house down. Sunday night, come around, you won't be able to find them. That's one fellow. What's you doing Sunday night? He said, I was busy putting her rear end in a recliner. But required means there's accountability to it. Folks, we're getting close to the end. We're to live for Jesus, labor for Jesus, and love Jesus like we never have before. Like we never have before. Woo! I'm, th- I pre- I'm thinking about this. A, of course, Pigeon Forge is full of amusement rides and things like that. And there's a woman riding one of them things a few years back. And that thing, they didn't have it latched up and the door opened. She fell out and it killed her. And I thought, what a horrible thing. Because obviously that's a local story. So I kept up on it. And it happened on a Sunday at 11.30 that Sunday morning. Two miles before this woman died, I stand in the pulpit preaching the gospel. And I got to thinking, I'd hate for my life to end on this earth. Well, I should be in the house of God and I'm out fooling around with something else. I won't be found faithful. He said that in Revelation chapter number uh, 22, he that, uh, chapter, he that is holy, let him be holy still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. You know what that means? Soon as the Lord comes and gets you. By the way, that's in the twinkling of an eye. going to happen fast. If you backslid on God, you're going home a backslider. And you'll meet that judgment seat of Christ. You living for God, uh, you'll go home holy still. Still be living for God. Amen. I ain't waiting to go to heaven, start worshiping, praising God. I've already started. He's coming back soon. Just like Israel was taken captivity, just like God said. God closed that thing out. There was still some that were sent, serving, and there was still some that stayed faithful. But I want to be in that bunch. And he told the church of Philadelphia, thou hast a little strength left. God's strength is not depleted. What he meant by that, there ain't going to be a whole lot of evidence. When I first got saved, I used to think, boy, when the rapture takes place, there ain't going to be cars crashing, airplanes fall out of the sky, all kind of stuff going on. I don't know there's going to be as many car crashes as we think. <laughs> Amen. I'm to the point now when we're gone, I have a feeling they're going to be glad. I want to solve invitation. And it's time for invitation. You come to the piano. Sister, and um, I hope tonight that everybody in here is saved. If you're not saved, why not? Yeah.